Hey, my name is Mark. I am one of the pastors here at Stonebrook. Really glad you're here. If you've been here the past few weeks and maybe your first time being here, you don't know who the heck I am because I haven't been here. But uh, I was actually here a couple weeks ago. I just didn't do anything, just walked around, which is sort of cool. But I, I really appreciate you guys uh, letting me do that. We are in the middle of a, a bu- building a building. There's a lot going on with it. It just takes a lot of effort. And it's just sort of nice to be able to uh, relax for a couple weeks. And um, we may over the next few months, because I'm not really sure exactly when the building will be done, but by the way, let me say this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you that have sort of stepped up and been helping in the evenings and on the weekends. It's a very, very encouraging thing. It has helped us make some, uh, some good steps forward. We had uh, several guys, some army, army guys yesterday showed up, and they, uh, they just had some mad skills. It was really nice. Um, they, everything that I had laid out, they had it done by noon, so we laid out more stuff, and um, I think there'll be some will be coming back again. They just really helped us make made some progress there. Um, I'm not really sure people ask, when do you expect to be open? I always say two months ago, but um, we're thinking maybe March, April, May, June. <laughs> I don't know, surely before then, but uh, if, if you haven't been there, and that's why we're doing this thing on the 13th. <clears throat> on December 13th, the ark is being used for something else. I don't even know what. But uh, we can't have service here, so we are having it down at the new building. There may or may not be heat. I don't know. Um, it sort of be a case of bring your own chair as well, you know, like a recliner, a sofa if you want to, whatever you can bring there. We, we may have like half a service, just talk a while and then put you to work. I don't know, so dress, you know, ready, ready to work. But if you haven't been there, you just drive by on the outside. It doesn't look like that big uh, a place. But when you come in, everybody that walks through the door goes, whoa, uh, it's just two stories and it's a lot deeper than it is wide. Um, Deep and wide, all of a sudden I had a flashback to Sunday school. But um, stop by and check it out. But for sure, for sure, for sure, don't, you know, say, well, we're not having church up the ark on the 13th. I'm just going to stay home. Be there. Um, so you can sort of get catch, catch the vision and the excitement. Oh, I forgot, we have pictures. There's a picture of the outside. That's another picture of the outside. That's happening there. Before too long, um, I don't know if it'll be before the end of, the year, end of the year or not, we'll have the signs on it. There's a sort of a cool picture from in the auditorium looking up into the balcony. But um, we are, we're in the process of doing the plumbing, the heating and cooling, and about 1,236 miles of wiring. It's amazing how much, I'm exaggerating a little, but the wiring that is going into that place, all the automation and different things that we're doing, it's, it's just really, really, it's really, really cool, and it makes my brain hurt. My brain hurts, it actually does. But uh, we're making some progress, and it's going to be a really, really exciting place. When we, when we finally have our own place, we're going to be able to do so much more, so much more with our services, and uh, I almost feel not really the need to apologize because we're focusing so much on the building, we're not doing as much with our service here. But when we get in our own building, we are, it's going to be an exciting, exciting place to be. We believe it's just going to explode and that the, this community needs it, not only for the community center part, um, but for, to have a church that is, as, is an exciting place to go and where people will, will learn about who Jesus is in a welcoming, relaxed setting. It's just going to be a cool thing. And uh, by the way, I also wanted to say the last few weeks, a couple of times we've showed, shown, showed? I just said showed in public. <laughs> My hillbilly comes out every now and then. I, we, sh- we have shown 
Right? We've shown. Showed? Now I'm confused. Can somebody Google that for me real quickly? It's shown. We've shown. We fly, we flew, we have flowed, we show, we have shown. No, that's not right. Is it shown? Confirmation? We have a confirmation right there. It's shown. We've shown a video of Andy Stanley speaking. And I, I know some people, you're like, well, you know, I'm showing a video. It doesn't really seem like church when there's a video. But one, there's several reasons we're doing that. Number one, it sort of gives us a break. We probably won't do it the rest of the year, but maybe in January and February when we get into the, the finishing aspect of the building, maybe just to give us a week off, we'll show the video. But one reason we do that is to sort of get us used to that because when we have our building, one thing that we're going to do is we'll have cameras there and we'll be videoing the services. But Stonebrook is much, much more than just this group of people in Waynesville. Um, just, you know, the however many it ends up being, six, seven, eight hundred, fifteen hundred that will be at this local place. It's not about how big can we get here. It's about how many people can we train and then start another campus, say in Rolla or Jeff City or Columbia. And then we have all kinds of people being in a military town. One of our purposes from the very beginning, we said, we're not going to be a church that tries to hang on to as many people as we can. We want to train people and then we want them to go out all over the world. Now, I say that, but every time somebody leaves, it like breaks my heart. We had, uh, had a couple that are moving, they get, getting out of the military, moving back home, Zach and Lindsay Kaufman, and Lindsay was here this morning and hugged me, and it was like, just like losing your sister or something. But uh, the thing that we want to do with that is we'll be videoing the services, and people that leave Stonebrook, they're always, they're always talking about, you've, you've really changed the way we think about God. You've th- changed the way we see Jesus. You've changed the way we think about church. And we, they're constantly calling back and saying, wherever they are, they're like, you guys have ruined us. We, we, we can't find a church here that, we're, you know, we, that is, sort of has the same feeling. And I always say, great, you need to start one. So what we plan to do is, I call it microsites, is we'll be videoing the services and people that have all over the world, and I've already been talking to several, one of them, my favorite one that I believe is going to happen is uh, actually in, I started to say Croatia, but that's not right. St. Croix, the Virgin Islands. Huh? You're already wanting to volunteer to go, aren't you, right now? That's the one I'll be like, I have to, I have to be gone for a month. I have to set up a church. Is it my fault it's on the beach and we're all in shorts? It's not my fault. It's just the way it happens there. But already talking with the person that used to be here at Stonebrook and moved there, about you know how to reach the people on the island and how so many of them have been disillusioned with God and church and the differences in the culture there and here, and it's really cool. But that's one reason we're building this building, is to have sort of the headquarters to produce things that can go out all over the world. So when you give and when you help, it's not just about us at all. This is just a starting point. The building, and that's what I don't ever want us to, to get in our mind. Too many times when a church builds a building, they're, they're like... Oh, we finally have our building. They sort of settle in. No, it's we finally have a building. Now we can actually do something. We haven't done anything up until now. And so now we can get going with that. So thank you for all your help. And um, that's all I have to say about that. What we're going to do this morning, we've been in a series called Starting Point. And the, the premise of the series is if you're a person who is either sort of a seeker or you are interested in... the the whole God-Jesus thing, but you're not sure you have questions, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, We're talking about that, but what we're going to do today is sort of press pause on that series, uh, because um, 
I've just been doing a lot of thinking these, this past week or so. As you're, I'm sure, aware, there are a lot, a lot of things that are going on in our world. A lot of uh, really bad, horrible, awful things. And uh, so many are in discussion about, you know, what do we do to that? What do we do about that? How do we respond? How do we react as, as a nation? How do we react as the people of the world? And um, I, I begin to think about different things and, you know, reading different things on Facebook, hearing different things on the news, but just spending some, some time going back and thinking about and looking at some things that Jesus had to say. And um, so today may be just a little bit random, and I know you're thinking, what's different about that? You're always sort of random and ADD and your messages jumping around here and there. But I just want, my, my, my purpose today is to get us to think. My purpose is not to change your mind. My, my purpose any, on any Sunday, that's, I want, always wanted there to be a, a type of church where we could have discussions and conversations and where we could actually get Christians and non-Christians alike to actually think and think for themselves, not just be a person up here that's pontificating, that's saying, here's what you ought to think, here's what you ought to believe, this is the way it is, and this is the only way that it is, but to get us to actually you know, put some thought and brain power into it ourselves. So I want us to think, and my, my purpose isn't necessarily to convince you of something, but I, I want to look at some things that Jesus said. Now, I started to think about this, and just a little bit of a backstory. Um, you know, I was raised in church, like from day one. And I always like to ask this, how many of you were raised, your church people, you were raised in church from the very start? My condolences, I'm very sorry. So it's, it's a very hard thing sometimes growing up in church. You have some very horrific, horrible memories, I'm sure. But um, be, being raised in church from day one, I don't have any memory at all of not being a Christian, of being a person that, a person that doesn't know Jesus, because my parents, they, they were sort of the kind of people that believed if you're, if you're not in church, God doesn't like you. That's the only way that you can sort of get to know God. So like the day after I was born, I'm sure they took me to church and I was there. But the very first time I ever remember, I was sitting about, sort of if, you know, the church was much smaller than this, but I was sitting about halfway back. It was a, we, we had this church, it was a cold uh, cinder block building, uh, very little heat. This time of the year it started getting really cold, but there was a trade-off because there were no bathrooms inside and the outhouse outside, the wasps were dead now. So if you had to pee, you didn't have to fight the wasp as you were. Anybody at all? Am I the only old person? Do you, anybody else here use an outhouse? See? Old people everywhere. Look at this. There are old people in this church. There are some young people that have actually used an outhouse. Okay. How many of you would like to use an outhouse and never have? None of you? We could work that feature into Stonebrook Center if you'd like us to. No, we don't have bathrooms. There's an outhouse out back. But anyway, uh, the first time I ever heard somebody talk about who Jesus was, and I realized for the first time, wow, I need to accept Jesus, get saved, be born again, whatever you want to call it. I did. You know, I just got up. At our church, you had, you had to come forward because Jesus couldn't, he wasn't back there. He was only up here at the front. And so there was like this little bench, and you went up there, and most people cried. It was a Pentecostal church. You would get up to the altar, and people would attack you from all over and pray for you, and it was great fun and wild, and people would slobber and cry, and it was a lot of fun. But uh, the ver- I just have no memory of not being a quote-unquote Christian. But uh, then after that, um, I, I noticed, began to notice something that um, I was supposed to 
love this Jesus fella. And um, he died. Somehow him dying on a cross a couple thousand years ago, it was supposed to you know, cleanse me from my sin, so I was grateful for that. But other than that, it seems like we never really talked much about him. He, he wasn't necessarily the center of everything. He, we, we had to come by the cross, get saved, and then we said, thank you, Jesus. Appreciate you dying for me and everything. Uh, we, we were supposed to feel sorry about it. I remember so many Sunday school classes where the Sunday school teacher made me feel like it was my fault that Jesus, and I'm sure it was, but, you know, and she would always say, you know, when you boys are fighting, it makes Jesus cry. And so, I'm sorry, Jesus, I made you cry. I didn't know I was making you cry. Me and, my, me and my cousin are just wrestling. We're not mad at each other. And so, I didn't really know much about Jesus except he died on a cross. Thank you. Appreciate that. And then we went on and we talked about God. We talked about the Bible. And I was always real confused about God. Because sometimes it seems like he was a person that really loved me. And other times it seemed like he was a person that was, he was like ticked off at me for some reason. And he was really angry and I was... You know, if you do something wrong, once again, I may make him cry. Or, you know, if I sin, I was always unsure. You know, am I going to really make it to heaven? Or if I'm, you know, if I'm not, don't do everything just a certain way, I'll end up in hell. Is this a bad deal? What is that? But, um, uh, and this sort of happened throughout all my church experience. I didn't really see Jesus. I knew we had to to love Jesus because he died on the cross and everything like that. But I began to see, I started about 10 years ago probably, that Really, this whole Christian thing, the first part of Christian is Christ. That Christian means that we're to be like Christ. And uh, I came across the scripture, which I was aware of the scripture, but it suddenly just came alive to me and it, it seemed like God moved me to this way of understanding him better. In Hebrews chapter 1 it says that the Son, or Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. That if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Paul said it this way in Colossians, that he's the visible image of an invisible God. You can't see God, but to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And it just opened up my understanding of, of what the Bible meant more. Because the Bible isn't really, isn't really meant to be, you know, start in Genesis, read it all the way through to the end. It's not a story in that sense, although there's much of it that is story. But the Bible is best understood if you'll start in the middle. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's like the whole climax of it. Uh, if you've ever been to a movie, we talked about this in the first service. Have you seen that movie, Now You See Me? Anybody see that movie, Now You See Me? Wasn't that a frustrating movie to watch? If you've never seen it, like go home this afternoon, do the, I was going to say Netflix and chill, but that brings up a whole other thing, doesn't it? Okay, but just get back from that. Uh, go home, grab Netflix, see the movie, Now You See Me. Because it's like you think you know what's happening and then, oh my gosh, oh now I know what's happening. Oh, I don't know what's happening. And oh now, no, I don't know what's happening. And then the very end it sort of all comes together in the the climax of the story. And you've seen other movies like that where, oh, that's what they meant by that. And the Bible is much the same way. But if you'll start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at Jesus, because Jesus said the whole point of the whole book is about me. It all points to me. I am the answer to all the questions you're having concerning God. So, um, and that's really sort of what birthed Stonebrook in the beginning, is this idea that, hey, let's, let's have a church where Jesus is at the center of it, and that the way we live is based on what Jesus said and what he did. And I, I came across this this week, one of a, a favorite minister of mine, and some of you might want to follow him. 
he has a blog called Formerly Fundy. Uh, he was, I was raised very fundamentalist, and so was he, and maybe that's why I sort of like him. His name is Benjamin Corey. You can follow him on Twitter or whatever as well. But I came across this, and um, this is sort of what we're going to talk about. Christianity 101. And um, so what we're say, what I, who I'm talking to this morning is mainly people that would say they're Christians or Jesus followers. If you're here sort of kicking the tires thinking you might want to be a Jesus follower, you're going to get to see this morning you know, just how hypocritical we Christians are. If you think, you know, I don't want to be a Christian, you're all a bunch of hypocrites, just let me tell you, it's much worse than you think. Um, you may decide that this Jesus thing, the Christian thing, is not something I want to do after this morning. But that, so you sort of get a free pass, just hang out and, and look at some things that we as Christians are just not getting right, but that we need, we need to get right. But here is the basics. If somebody says, and this is for you Jesus followers, uh, Christianity 101. This is the class. This is like the first step. How, how do you do this Christianity thing? This, is, this helped me to look at it. Number one, look at what Jesus said. Number two, look at what Jesus did. Number three, say and do that. Number four, rinse and repeat. So, that is the basics of what it means to be a Jesus follower. It's not just a matter of, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. The cross is actually, it is the culmination. It is, it is where God is, ex- he is expressed the most perfectly on the cross. Where instead of uh, retribution, instead of revenge upon his enemies, he chose to die for them. It is the ultimate expression of who Jesus is. But in all his life and ministry... If you're going to be a Christian, you need to find out what did Christ say? What did Christ do and say and live like that? Now, what I discovered as I began to think about some things this week and with regarding stuff that's happening in the world and how do, how do we respond and how, what would a Christian do? What would Jesus do? All those things. I began to uh, think about some things that Jesus had said and Jesus had did. And I want to talk about those this morning. And I came up with this for a title. And it's simply this, Things I Don't Like About Jesus. Now, um, you know, you're not supposed to say in church that you don't like Jesus. And maybe not even outside of church. But here's just the honest thing. I've come to determine that I like about 60% of Jesus. But there's a lot of Jesus that I, I I, I don't like very much. And I've discovered that... When I really look at what he said and what he did, I don't like Jesus very much. And that's just honest. And I'm going to show you some scriptures today. And so I'm just sort of going to let you listen in on my musings and my interaction with myself this week. Where I looked at some things and I said, you know, Jesus, there are certain things I like, there are certain things I don't like. For example, this one, everybody loves the scripture right here. They hold it up at football games. John 3.16, God loved the world so much he gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Don't you like that one? That's a good verse. Huh? That's a good one? Everybody likes that one? I like that verse. But what I don't like, and this isn't necessarily the words of Jesus, but I sort of wanted to put this out there, because I want to ruin this verse for you. I'm about to ruin it. You will never be able to read this verse the same again after today. Because every time you read John 3.16 from now on, I want you to put a one in front of it. And also read John, 1 John 3.16. 1 John 
says we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And we like that part. But then he says, and this is a disciple of Jesus, one of his closest friends says, so we also ought to give up our lives. Can you say that phrase with me with robustness? I don't like that part. I don't like that at all. Jesus, I want him to give up his life for me. But now it seems that part of the deal is that his closest followers say, since he did that, that's what real love is. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. There's a, my favorite story. There's, here's another thing that I love about Jesus is Luke chapter 15. If I had no other chapter in the Bible to prove that Jesus was real, this is one that I constantly go back to. And the beauty, the, the simplicity, the, the profoundness. I'm not sure that's a word still. I used it in the first service. The profoundity, perhaps, I don't know, uh, of this story of the prodigal son. And I love this story where the son goes away and the father welcomes him back and there's rejoicing and there's a big party. I love, 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 love that. But there are so many other things that it, it, it became very interesting to me over the years as I was at church because I would read, I actually read my Bible because they told me to. Upon the, when the person was standing up here like me, they would say, now don't take my word for it. Go home and read it for yourself. And I'm just very obedient. I follow instructions. So, okay, I'll go home and read that. So I read it and I found all kinds of things that they skipped over. All kinds of things that Jesus said that when you brought it up, they started saying things like, well, now, you know, we, we don't understand everything he said. And, well, you know, you've got to use wisdom. And they would start making excuses for these things that Jesus said. So what I'm going to do is we're just going to read a few of them. I have way too much scriptures to cover because there's way too much stuff about Jesus that I just don't like. But here's some things that I don't like. Verse 38 of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, you have heard that the law says the punishment must, must match the injury. An eye for an eye. And a tooth for a tooth. Now, just let me ask you a question. This is church, okay? Keep in mind, God attends this church sometimes. He's watching you right now. How many of you like that verse? Don't you like it that if you have a coworker that sort of messes you over, and then they get caught and fired, and on the inside you go, yes. Don't you like that? Come on. Just be honest. Thank you so much. Because I like this. We as Christians, we like it. And, I, you know, see, I see you guys on Facebook. I'm like Santa Claus. I can see what you're saying. And, you know, you, you post things like, and I, you know, I, I want, I, I'm, the, I'm the pastor of Stonebrook, so I want to post these things, but I know, well, if I post that, that's going to cause all kinds of problems, so I don't. I'm just as human as you, but, like, you know, they'll post things. I'm going to start treating people like they've treated me and see how they like it. I like that, don't you? That's a good one. An eye for an eye. If somebody does me wrong, and then we, Christians, we become Hindu all of a sudden. We say, karma, baby. It's just karma. Yeah, it's, we're Christian and Hindu. Christ do is what we are. So, but Jesus is audacious. He's revolutionary. He's radical. He's not some just uh, a gentle guy that's just come in and trying to make everybody happy. He says in the next verse, he's audacious enough to say, but I say, yeah, I know that's in the Old Testament, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court 
and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Now, I've, I've used this illustration before, but it helps especially us dudes. We don't understand somebody taking my shirt and I give them my coat. That doesn't mean anything to us. The best illustration I can think of for the guys is imagine you just bought a brand new 70-inch flat screen TV for the man cave. You spent all afternoon finding just the right location for it. You got the stud finder out. You found the places. You got the surround sound set up. You have a recliner. You got, uh, you know, a place for your popcorn and whatever beverage you're choosing. Let's not talk about that right now. But, uh, and so you've got the place set up. It's just perfect. You worked extra. You worked overtime. Because your wife said you couldn't buy it unless you came up with the money yourself. So you like sold a rookie card from somewhere and you bought the TV. And you come home one afternoon and there's some guy loading your 70-inch flat screen TV in the back of his truck. Jesus said that you're supposed to go, wait, 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 you forgot the remote. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I think people should get what they deserve. He says if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. We've talked about this a little bit before as well, but you you may not remember. The the people of Israel were under occupation by an enemy army. Their total national identity had been destroyed by Rome. The enemy was everywhere. They couldn't do what they wanted. The Roman army soldiers had the right to grab any Jewish person at any time. If they had their rucksack and they had all their equipment, they got rifles and all kinds of stuff that they have to carry a certain way, they could grab you no matter what you're doing. You may be on the way to a picnic with your family. You may be a shop owner that has it's the busy time of day, but they can grab you and say, I need you to help me carry my stuff. And you had to go a mile with them. Jesus said... See, that, and you don't understand how humiliating that was to the Jewish people. Imagine someone like Al-Qaeda or ISIS has taken us over. Everything that we as American people hate, that's how they felt. They were humiliated by this occupying army. And as they were carrying the stuff for a mile, all, all the people around them knew that's the enemy and you're helping the enemy. They knew that there was a law that you had to help him for a mile, but nobody was happy about it. Jesus said, when you get to that end of that mile and you've done what's required of you, no matter how much you hate it, no matter how much you hate this occupying army, say, no, dude, I'll take it another mile. And go another mile for free. Then all the people around that see you walking down the street know you already went your mile. What are you doing going another mile? Are you... uh, in favor of this occupying army? Jesus was saying, even your worst enemies. I don't like that. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. He said, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, see this is what you have to decide as a Jesus follower. This is what Jesus says, but I say, love your enemies. And this is the thing that really bothers me about Jesus, is he won't qualify it. 
Yeah, Jesus, love your enemies. You know, when somebody cuts me off in traffic, I got that. When someone's trying to get that promotion ahead of me and they're sort of a butt kisser and they're going behind my back with the boss, I know that. Love my enemies. Got it. Mother-in-laws, father-in-laws, got it. Supposed to love them. Got all this whole thing. But you you mean the Roman army? Come on. Come on, Jesus. Israel is supposed to return to its former glory. You're the Messiah. We're supposed to take Israel back for God. Jesus said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, this is, this is the wild part. In that way, if you do this stuff, in other words, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. I don't like this. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He doesn't, he doesn't differentiate. He doesn't separate. Everything that God has is unconditionally Everyone. It doesn't matter if you're evil. It doesn't matter if you're good. That we are called by Jesus to treat evil and good totally indiscriminately with love and compassion. And I don't like that. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. He goes on and says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're, only, if you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? And that's a question that I ask, try to ask myself all the time. It's a question that I ask about uh, us as a group of people and as a church. What makes us different? When, when we have a situation, for example, like uh, the things that are going on in the world, and the question comes up for it's just about refugees. And it's very, very interesting. It's, it's, such, it's a question that I don't have the answer for. I don't know what our nation is supposed to do. I would hate to be in the position of leadership in this nation. Uh, Be be very careful as as a Jesus follower, the way you speak about our leaders. You have no earthly idea the pressure that's on them, the things that they have to decide on such a massive, massive scale. That's why uh, the Word of God doesn't give us a place to criticize leaders, but constantly tells us to pray for them. No matter if they are the person you voted for or not. No matter if they are your particular political uh, leaning or not. Pray for them. But how are we different from anyone else? As As I begin to evaluate and look on social media and hear on the news the different things that people are saying just concerning this one issue. This is the thing that sort of just weighs on, been weighing on my heart. That I don't know. Should we throw open the door and let millions of refugees in? Probably not. I don't know what we should do as a nation. What should we do concerning our enemies? I don't know what we should do as a nation. I don't know what we should do as Americans. But I do know this, that Jesus had this thing where he said, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. And while I pledge allegiance to a flag, I also pledge allegiance higher to another kingdom. It's a kingdom where I've bowed my knees to a person that I call Lord, that I call my King, and that I ultimately have to listen to what he says in the way that I personally, in the way that we as a group of Jesus followers respond. I have to look at what did he say and what did he do? And what makes us different than in everyone else? That's the question. That Jesus is saying, if you just love those that are doing good and love those that aren't evil, said, even the pagans do that. He goes on and says, love your enemies, do good to them, 
lend to them without expecting to be repaid. I really hate that one. How many of you have somebody that owes you something? Let me see your hand. Come on. Really? Like a book? Borrowed a book? Borrowed a movie? Christians, by the way, are the worst people to loan a book to. Just give it to them. They're not going to give it back. Oh, yeah, I'll read this. I'll have it right back to you. Nah, you won't. Never. I don't think I've ever had anybody return a book to me. So, see, I have pent up things I need to get out. Lend to them expecting nothing in return. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. This is Luke's uh, interpretation of it, for he's kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Now, our time is getting away. Um, There are so many things I could talk about here. I could make this an entire series, but I want the scripture in the entire Bible that I like the least, I'm about to read. I've, I've avoided the scripture my entire life. I don't like it. I don't like it that Jesus said it. I don't, it just doesn't make, it's just, just not what I want to happen. But uh, I, we're going to read it anyway in Matthew chapter 25. Very, very famous scripture. It says, when the Son of Man comes, he referred to himself as the Son of Man. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, in other words, at the, at the end of time, and, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. There's a day coming. Where it will no longer be the United States, it will no longer be Israel, it will no longer be Romania, it will no longer be Russia, it will be the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is here now. We are part, if you're a Jesus follower, you are a part not just of an earthly government or an earthly nation, but ultimately even more than that, we are citizens. Paul, The Apostle Paul talks about it over and over, that we are citizens of heaven. Jesus talked about, he came proclaiming the kingdom. He came to set up this secret organization, if you will, that what was to rule and uh, rule this world through love, that we were to spread the message of who he is and make this kingdom grow larger. It, it was a place that didn't have national borders. It didn't have earthly people that were leaders and armies to protect it, but a kingdom that spread his message. He says, but in the end, he'll set up his glorious throne. We'll rule with him forever. He says, all the nations will be gathered in his presence. He'll separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king, he's the king, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared to you, prepared for you from the creation of the world. In other words, come on in, be in this kingdom with me. It's going to be peace, it's going to be love, it's going to be nothing but perfection for all of eternity. And then he begins to say how he could tell that they belonged in the kingdom. And this is where, and by the way, let me, let me just share this. This is the reason I've always, I, I don't want to use the word hate, the reason I've avoided these scriptures for much of my life is when I heard them as a child, it was used to try to get me to do something. And I thought that, if I, that the only way to get to God was to do certain things. And that is not at all what Jesus is saying. It's not that if you do certain works and if you do certain things and perform certain tasks and certain duties, then you get to be in. No, you're in because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But these are examples of what people that are in and follow Jesus should naturally be doing. And I think many times we, instead of following what is naturally in our heart as Jesus followers, we let the, the clutter and the chatter of the world around us change our thinking from citizens of the kingdom to citizens of whatever country we're from 
and surrounded by friends that maybe think the way that we think, and we forget to look at, no, 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 Jesus said this, and that's what my heart's telling me. And this is just an example of what people that are Jesus followers do. He says, for I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I don't like that one at all. How many of you are like dyed-in-the-wool introverts? So you won't even raise your hand. You're so introverted. See, I'm an introvert. I love, love, love people. All I do really is think about how I can help people. I just don't want to be around any of them. You know what I'm saying? Home to me is the place you go, you take your pants off, and you're alone. That's just the way God intended it. But here Jesus is saying that a sign of a person that follows me is I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I don't like that. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones, they start scratching their head and they're like, "Um, uh, Lord, when, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing. Um, When did we ever see you sick? What did you have? Was it the measles? Did you get better? You look good. What what was it, Jesus? When were were you ever in prison and visit you? And, And most of you know the answer to what he's saying, but listen to what he says. The king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters... You were doing it to me. And when I begin to think about all the things that are going wrong in the world, and we're specifically people are focused right now on this question of of the refugees from Syria. It's something that I've been thinking about for a couple of months. uh, And how could we help? And uh, I'm working on ways that we can help. But just listening to various people uh, and my own thoughts about it, my own American thoughts about it, my own thoughts as a guy, the protector of my family, an American red-blooded male that was raised in a military town my entire life. And my, my wife's an uh, army brat. Her, her, my father-in-law was in the military for 33 and a third years, and just I'm very impressed with him. And talking, you know, I did a, a paper on him in college about his experience in Vietnam and interviewed him, and it's just the, the respect I have for military people and all these things that I, that I, I have opinions about, you know, if somebody attacks America, what you should do. And But then to go above that and think, not only only what would Jesus do, not only how would Jesus respond, but where is Jesus in all of this? Where is he? Because that's the first thing I began to think is, okay, not not what would American Mark think, what would Jesus' follower Mark do? How, How would he think? And then thinking, you know, what, how would Jesus respond? What, what would Jesus do? But there's a question that's even further above that. And uh, I came across this picture. A friend of mine had posted this on their Facebook. And uh, this is just, you know, I, I just spent a lot of time just looking at that picture. Here's a guy. He's, he's, he's just like me. We dehumanize people. We, we, we talk about issues and, and subjects and crisis situations. But what we're actually talking about is this guy. He's just like me. He has dreams. He had a home. He has a family. He has kids that he just wants a better life for. And what, what do I do about that? I don't know. But what should, my, what should my default thought be? 
what should the compassion of my heart, how, sh how should I respond concerning that? But I, I began to think about that, and I came across something that Rachel Held Evans, I don't know if you know Rachel Held Evans, you should also follow her, read her blog. But she had this statement. She said, the question isn't whether Jesus would embrace or reject refugees. Jesus was a refugee and is, here's the thing, is present among refugees today. I don't know. She said the question is whether we will turn away Christ himself when he comes to us in this distressing disguise. And I don't know what the answer is as far as what America should do. I pray that our leaders do the right thing. They have a responsibility to protect our nation. I get that. We, those of you that are here and you're in the military, you have a responsibility to protect our, our nation. That's your job, and I appreciate that, and, and uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But above that, how am I going to stand? And this is, this is how I, I try to live my life, and I fail at it all the time. I get to thinking about myself. I get to thinking about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to do, how my family's going to survive, what do I have my comfort, my safety. But that's the weird thing about Jesus. He seemed to be, as he talked, even with his disciples in the early church, he seemed to be completely unconcerned about their safety or their comfort. One of the last things Jesus said to one of his closest followers, Peter, is he prophesied over him right before he had been risen from the, he rose from the dead. He spent some time with his disciples for about 40 days after he rose from the dead. And right before he left for heaven, he prophesied over Peter. Now, growing up in church, every now and then somebody would prophesy over you. They would say something good that was going to happen to you. The last thing that Jesus said to Peter was this. I want you to follow me and spread this message all over the world. By the way, they're going to kill you. Have a nice day. That was, that was his basic prophecy. It was like, come on, Jesus, that's not good. You've got to do better than that. No. The one of the last things right before the the, the few minutes before Jesus ascended to heaven, the last thing he said to his disciples was this. You're going to be, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, you're going to receive power, and you're going to be witnesses for me everywhere. Jerusalem, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. But that, that word where it says he'll be witnesses, don't ever read the New Testament in Greek. It's very bad. Because that word witness means martyr. Jesus basically said, hey guys, I want you to spread my message all over the world and they're going to kill you. Goodbye, I'm going to heaven. Have a nice life. And they did. Jesus seemed to be completely unconcerned. The prayers we pray as Americans, I, I'm afraid that the disciples that are in heaven looking down on us, I'm afraid that they're just embarrassed. We pray things like, Lord, grant us traveling mercies as I go to Springfield to shop on Black Friday. Please protect me from the crazy people that are trying to kill me because they want the new toy. Those are the prayers we pray. You read like in Acts chapter 3 and 4 where they hauled the disciples before all the authorities and the authorities basically said, you guys stop uh, using this name of Jesus or we're going to kill you. And they said, sorry, we can't do that. And then they went and had a prayer meeting and this was their prayer. Lord, we would, we would have got together. Let's say that in Waynesville, all of a sudden, the city council gets together and says, you can't talk about Jesus in Waynesville, and they start shooting people. We would get together and have a prayer meeting. Father, protect us. Show us what we've got to do. The early disciples got together and said, Lord, give us boldness to speak your word with more boldness. And I'm like, time out, guys. It's boldness that got you in trouble. You need to pray for traveling mercies or something. But Jesus seemed to be completely unconcerned about our safety. He was concerned that people understood his love. And if it took us dying, 
so be it. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. But Jesus says, and this is the thing, and I've gone too long, and I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. I try to live my life knowing that the day will come when I have to stand before Jesus, not to, not to see if I get into heaven or not. No, that's already taken care of. He's already taken care of that on the cross. I've accepted him. I'm, I'm spent eternity with him. But he's given me an assignment. He's given me a mission. He's told me that uh, you know, if we're going to change this world, I, I need you all to live like I lived and spread out all over the planet and do the same thing that I did. And I have to stand before him and, and put that picture of that guy up there again. And I have to say, you know, Jesus, I was afraid that my lifestyle would be changed. I was afraid that there might be somebody that could get in that could do me harm. So I told him no. I can't do it. I can't do it. Because Jesus said, as much as you've done it to him, that's really me right there. So that's the question is, how do we respond to that? How would Jesus respond and where is Jesus in all that? Okay, our time's gone. And uh, like I said, the, my, my point with that is, is not to change your mind politically. It's not to make you a Democrat or Republican or whatever else you happen to be. There's even more cho- choices now. But as a Jesus follower, what is your response what are some things that Jesus said? In fact, that's, I'm just sort of going to give you homework. The first service didn't get any homework. Uh, and you can post it to my page or post it on the Stonebrook page. Find some, something that Jesus said this week that you don't like. Talk about that. Post it and say, here's something Jesus says that I don't like, but I'm going to try to change my like to be like him. So that's my spiel for today. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, I just thank you so much for who you are and that you demonstrated it in Jesus. And, and I'm glad that I was a stranger from you. I was a stranger. The, the, the New Testament says I was alienated from you. I was your enemy. I was against you. But you took me in. It cost you your life. It cost you everything. You didn't stay where you were in your safety. But you came down and you lived where I lived. You felt what I felt. And I thank you for that. Help us to be like you. Help us to change the way we think and the way that we live so that this world can see really who you are, sir. And we, uh, we commit ourselves to be true followers, true children of you that love indiscriminately no matter the evil or the good. Help us to do that from our heart. We love you, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys, so much for hanging out this, uh, with us this Sunday. We will see you next week.